the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. By settling our own disputes, we, have, we give a testimony of the resources that are ours in unity and harmony and humility to the world. And when we go to public court, our testimony is reversed. We're basically telling the world we don't really believe what we believe. That is a sober judgment, isn't it? But one that's quite correct, as the Apostle Paul lays it out for us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Hi there. Welcome to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno. We are continuing our survey of 1 Corinthians today, taking your brother to court. So what does God have to say on this subject? Well, that'll be the focus of our next couple of broadcasts. Won't you join us? With today's study, verse by verse, here's Pastor Leighton Sheely. Lord, as we turn our attention now to your word, we ask you to be our teacher and to transform us the way we think, the way we speak, the way we act by the power of your spirit and your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to take your Bibles open to the sixth chapter of 1 Corinthians. Uh, Paul wrote this letter to the church that he had founded there in Corinth. It was a large city, a huge city for its, its time. It was a seaport city, so it was filled with philosophies and religions from all over the world. Uh, it was very hedonistic. It was a community not unlike the San Francisco Bay Area. And so Paul wrote this letter to give guidance to Christians on how to live in the midst of a godless society. And the church, after Paul and Apollos had come and gone, uh, had evidently elevated into the positions of leadership those who were not good and godly. And so Paul, in the previous chapters, is reprimanding uh, the leaders and, the, and that church and says, if you don't shape up, I'm coming back and I'm going to come back with a rod of discipline as necessary. And what we've learned over the last number of weeks is the scriptures, as Pastor John reminded us today, uh, tell us that if we exercise self-discipline, then we will not need to come under discipline. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 11.31 uh, clarifies for us. So he is now providing a list of things that the church needs to do to prepare itself, to clean itself up. In chapter 6, Paul addresses lawsuits in the church. And this, this letter is really a very realistic letter. And the fact of the matter is that we as Christians, from time to time, because we live in community, are going to end up in conflict. And uh, the, the text reveals that uh, the, these Christians were envious of each other. They were critical of each other. They took advantage of each other. Uh, in business, even to the point of going to court. And, of course, the courts back then, our courts today are modeled after the courts back then, and anything that goes to court is basically public information. And so all of the city knew what was taking place inside of that church when the church members would go to court to file their grievances. Court was a very popular form of entertainment in Athens and Corinth. Corinth had a version of the Olympics they had a theater, they had a sports arena, and when people got bored of those things, they'd go to court and find out what was going on in court. It was part of their entertainment uh, at the time. And, uh, you know, um, sometimes uh, we, it's really good for us as Christians to do business together. 
Um, the home I live in was purchased from a member of our church. Uh, the cars that my wife and I drive were purchased from members of our church. The roof over our head at home was put on by a businessman in our church, as was the paint on the walls. Uh, when I need plumbing, which I will again shortly, I call a plumber in the church because I'd rather give my money to them than to somebody else. Uh, the other night, my wife took me out for dinner at a restaurant that's owned by one of the families that have students in our school. It's a good thing when Christians do business together. But what happens if the business transaction goes bad? What happens if somebody doesn't provide quality workmanship or quality materials? What happens if somebody fails to meet the deadlines that were agreed on? What happens if the work is done and done well and done on time, but the, person, the other person refuses to pay? What happens if all of the parties are acting in good faith? But circumstances beyond their control hijack the success of the business deal. That's happened a few times to members of our congregation. They got together in business thinking that the values of homes were going to continue to rise, and something happened, and they didn't, and everyone lost. Now, in those kinds of circumstances, we can either follow the example of the culture around us, or we can be obedient to God's Word. Now, American culture is very litigious. Uh, I was told that over 80 million lawsuits are filed every year, that over 70% of the attorneys in the world live and work in America. 70%. America's highly litigious. We might even be uh, party to a lawsuit we're not even aware of. Uh, On my desk across the way is a letter from the city and county of San Francisco about a lawsuit related to a hospital possibility of overbilling. I'm a plaintiff. I didn't ask to be a plaintiff. I didn't go to the attorney and ask to be a plaintiff. And the only way for me not to be a plaintiff is to send him a note telling him I don't want to be part of the lawsuit. So we can even be in lawsuits we're not even aware of. So do we follow the example that's given to us in the culture around us, or are we obedient to God's Word? Well, in order to be obedient to God's Word, we need to know what God's Word says, don't we? So let's look at what God's Word says about lawsuits here in the sixth chapter of 1 Corinthians. This passage has been misunderstood, it's been misapplied, it's been abused, and it's been used to abuse others. We want to know what it really says. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? So the first thing that Paul says here is that Christians should try to resolve matters within the fellowship and following biblical guidelines before running off to secular court. Some of us have been raised in churches where the word saints was a reference to believers that had gone on to heaven. But when the Bible uses that word, it is also in reference to believers who are still alive. And the point that uh, Paul is making here is that, God, uh, that believers have a God-given destiny to rule and to reign with Him. And so we should be learning the skills that we're going to need to rule and reign and judge well. That word judge means to preside over with the power of giving judicial decisions. So we need to learn how to be good judges. Paul's major concern was not that the believers were not going to get a fair trial, but rather that they had so little respect for the church's authority and its ability to settle disputes. They had this concept of the church being a social club for Christians rather than the beachhead of God's kingdom invading the earth. They thought of it as being a mere social club. They didn't have respect for the, uh, the church's authority. Paul says that all, of, all resources of truth and, 
and wisdom and equity and justice and love and kindness and generosity all reside within the people of God, which is the church. And so by settling our own disputes, we, have, we give a testimony of the resources that are ours in unity and harmony and humility to the world. And when we go to public court, our testimony is reversed. We're basically telling the world we don't really believe what we believe. And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? It's really important for the proper understanding of this passage to recognize uh, the word trivial. In fact, if you have your own Bibles, I would suggest that you highlight that or underline that word because that word is pivotal in understanding uh, this passage appropriately. Do you not know that we are to judge angels? Have you ever stopped and thought about, considered, the destiny that we as believers have in eternity? You know, some people think that we as believers are going to sit around in clouds all day and strum harps. And I'll tell you, folks, that would not be paradise for me. You know, I I like music, but I can only take so much harp music. And the Bible tells us that we have an awesome assignment waiting for us beyond this life. We're going to rule and to reign with Christ in his eternal kingdom. How much more, then, matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? Why do you take your cases into a secular justice system? I say this to your shame. Now, before he said, I I don't mean to shame you, here he says, I mean to shame you. What you're doing is shameful. You should be ashamed. Uh, Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers? So from the beginning of this letter, Paul has been chastising the church for their arrogance and their, and their pride, uh, for their wisdom and their tolerance. And he says, if you're so wise, why can't you settle these even trivial disputes? If we're going to eventually judge the world, as verse 2 states, then we should learn to judge and judge well by judging the trivial matters of this present life. And Paul says, if a dispute comes up, then find a brother or a sister a saint, to moderate or arbitrate your case, preferably with one with some expertise in the area of dispute. For instance, if your area of dispute is in a, a remodeling project, then it would be good to find a Christian contractor who understands the situation from both sides, the complications uh, that contractors work with in remodeling. I've been told it's much easier to build and rebuild. And uh, the expectations that homeowners have, find that Christian uh, contractor and let them work out a fair resolution. Um, if it's uh, automotive repair, find a Christian mechanic uh, because they have expertise in that area. If it's a real estate deal that's gone bad, find a Christian real estate agent that understands the nature of real estate and let them work out the solution and, and let both sides explain their perspective and, and let that person be responsible for bringing a fair and equitable settlement. Now, there have been times that I, as a pastor, have been called to settle an area of dispute in which I have no expertise in. And uh, usually I will call for a a man or a woman in the church uh, who loves Jesus, has evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in their life, has a reputation for honesty and fairness. And I'll turn the case over to them because I know that they're going to be much better at coming up with a fair and equitable resolution than I can. And through this exercise, all of the saints that are involved will grow in our ability to judge so that we're going to be better equipped for that future assignment when we are called to judge the angels. 
So we as believers should endeavor to conduct our business as cleanly as possible to minimize exposure to failure and misunderstanding. And when those disputes happen, because they will happen, then to uh, settle those, if possible, through uh, mediation and arbitration from a Christian brother or sister. Now, this passage is talking about trivial disputes, things that involve little time or little money. It does not refer to weightier matters of the law, such as rape, murder, molestation, manufacturing illicit drugs, terrorism, and stuff like that. For those matters, don't call the church. Please, don't call the church. Call the civil authorities. They're the ones with the guns. That's their jurisdiction. And indeed, God has set it up this way for that specific purpose. Paul deals with this further back in Romans again, doesn't he? This has been Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely, the ministry of Church of the Highlands right here in San Bruno. If you would like to know more about the ministry here at Church of the Highlands, Study Verse by Verse or Pastor Leighton Sheely, we invite you to visit our website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. And then come back and join us tomorrow as our studies in 1 Corinthians 6 will continue looking at brothers and being taken to court here on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.